Hello guys, welcome to our show. Today we discuss about ChatGPT and ACO, how you can be effective by using this tool. We can find another opinion about that. But anyway, it's hard to ignore this tool. That was simple. Yesterday, impossible. Tomorrow and today, I don't know any offer who didn't use this tool. For example, I cooperate with some writers who can write for Forbes, Bloomberg, Westopedia, and all of them use this tool. But if you use it smart, you can get great results. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Michael Levitz. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to see you again. Yeah, nice to meet you. I remember all your valuable inside you're so kind to share value that's why i'm looking forward to learn more especially about this topic it's hot topic and today ChatGPT is a regular tool for most marketers but i know some specialists who uh, reply to me not they don't use this tool uh, because manual job can beat ChatGPT. i agree but i think it's a good help for me michael before we start just remind about your self-experience background about your business and uh, your thoughts about ai today well uh you know i I was uh, in media for many years. I was an editor at a number of newspapers, magazines, worked in television as a journalist as well. And then I started my own company. And what I realized when I started my own company was it didn't matter whether, well, I shouldn't say it didn't matter, but it, the fact that I was a journalist was helpful. But what I was missing uh, in an effort to be competitive with others in the industry was being able to do SEO. I found that that really was the differentiator. You could be the best journalist, you can have the best article, but if you don't optimize it correctly, or you don't present uh, enough information the way that search engines want, no one's gonna see it. So I became singularly obsessed with SEO. Um, and it was very different back then when I was doing it. Keywords, you know, I wouldn't say keyword stuffing was the way to do it, but Keywords and links seem to have more importance back then than they do now. And I think the search engines have gotten incredibly smart and now can suss out who's writing it just for a search engine, who's writing it so that it's helpful content. And I think that's really sort of the key. Is your content helpful or not? Yeah, so nice. I agree. So it dovetails really to like, is ChatGPT helpful? You know. I have a, I think, kind of unpopular opinion, which is it's not. Um, you have to remember these large language models, these LLMs, they are, they're, they're based on patterns and probability. They're not based on experience or expertise. Now, yes, they are trained on a number of things that experts have said, but can ChatGPT tell you how to do your podcast better than you? No, can't. It just can't. I mean, think about, think about writing your own bio, right? For your website. Sure, you can let ChatGPT do it and they'll find whatever is available to them and what they've been trained on, but they're not gonna know more about you than you know about yourself. They're not gonna be able to give the insight about you that you have. And the same goes with, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, you're selling a product, you know, if you've played with that product, then you can impart the experience and the expertise you have with that product. ChatGPT will tell you predictively what those words are gonna be. And I, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, why don't you and I do a quick test, okay? 
Okay. <laughs> Blank piece of paper. I can, this can this can by the way fail miserably. Okay. I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask you, and you're gonna hold on while I write down. Okay. The dog ran. Okay. The dog ran. Let me write it down. Okay. Let's let's uh, finish the sentence. The dog ran. Uh, the dog ran fast uh, in this forest. Okay, I was wrong. I, I was going to say up the hill, up the hill. Uh, I've, done this, okay. I've done this with other people. The dog ran and they say up the hill. Okay, so that's the so, sort of smaller percentage of what ChatGBT Chat would say, uh -huh. right? Maybe with more context, it would say what you said, right? But... Um, you know, it, it's predicting based on the corpus it was trained on. But it can't tell you that it's going to say fast, right? It may be in your head like, oh, this, this product has, you know, a new feature that you don't know anything about. Well, if it wasn't trained on that corpus of information about the new, pro the new feature, it's not going to give it to you. But if you include that new feature when you're writing your product review, chances are it's going to do better in search. Nice. So, yeah. So, so that's a little why I'm against. Now, that's not to say I'm against AI. AI, by the way, has been around forever. I think the sort of shift that we're seeing that's really interesting is AI was under the hood, right? AI was giving you suggested things to put in your email as a response. Like, you know, sounds great. You know, you've seen that on the bottom of your Gmail. Yeah. You can click there, right? That's AI. AI has been in the chatbots uh, when you're with a customer service. That's AI. AI is correcting your spelling. That's AI. So it's all been under the hood, and we haven't thought about it. What I think is interesting about ChatGPT and some of these other tools is, like, they've made what was under the hood the car itself, like what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. So what, what was powering everything is now the main focus. So everyone's now like, whoa, look at this shiny little object. But the fact of the matter is AI has been around. Um, yeah. Now, granted, chat GPT for, you know, it's a large, large, large language model and it could do, you know, everything from helping you with your math <laughs> to the coding. Um, and, and it definitely speeds things up, right? I have coders who work for me they use it, but they don't use the code right away. They read through it. As opposed to writing out all the code, this makes it faster if the ChatGPT has had a similar type of, of, of program it's had to write. If you're coming up with a novel idea for programming, it's gonna give you an, an hallucination. It's gonna give you something totally fake because these models are based on giving you an answer. They have to give you an answer. And that's why there's so many hallucinations when you uh, go to ChatGPT. Yeah, nice, interesting, interesting. Okay, Michael, uh, I wanna start from your experience. Uh, you mentioned that you have this uh, background in journalism, then you switch to ACO, and I think it's the best mix ever, you know, because I see when uh, uh, specialists, 
with journalist background, they usually are more creative, you know, because writers without this background usually uh, rewrite existing content, uh, don't bring something new, creative. But when you have this mix, you understand that it's better to create content for human being and search engines to optimize, because if we ignore search engine, search engine can ignore you. <laughs> but in the end, we need to satisfy both people and search engine. Uh, can you tell how to do it? I mean, like, for example, um, your method, you start to create content for human being, then optimize, or you have in mind about, about search engines and uh, add keywords. Uh, what do you think about uh, adding the number of keywords, if it works, or uh, adding them to the structure of content? So any tips about that? Yeah, you know, um, I think one of the great things about being a journalist is you learn really how to structure a story and how to present things um, right, right in the beginning, um, sometimes concisely, sometimes the story goes a little longer. But what you learn is the who, what, where, when, and how. And that's sort of the basics of journalism. And your first paragraph should have the who, what, when, where, and how. You know, uh, last, yesterday's story, right? Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, car chase, you know, uh, New York City, it, it covers all of it, the who, the what, the where, the how, yes, paparazzi, right? Um, and I think if you're any content creator, you need to think about all those things. I need to lay it all out in the first paragraph. Um, and then uh, from there, I continue writing. Now, you, you know, if, if you're a real writer, it's, <laughs> and I'm not, it's not really to attack others, but like if your business was writing, and you don't think about keywords because you would never sort of in that instance that I gave you just now, right? Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, taxi, New York. You would never not repeat those words again. You know, you would have to, you wouldn't just say he, you know, uh, or in fact, I would argue some of these uh, keyword tools will tell you, oh, don't call him Prince Harry, call him the Duke of Sussex. And it's like, okay, whatever, you know, <laughs> but like, <laughs> like, or don't call it a taxi, call it, you know, a, a, a for hire vehicle. Like eh, no one, no one calls it that, you know, that's the problem with those keyword tools. Just, just write, you know, I, I know I, I sound sometimes a little like uh, the people from, uh, you know, the Google search advocate team, but like, just write, you know, <laughs> write helpful content. Google will find it. And it's true. They're, they're, they're not, they're not tallying one story versus second story saying, he said Prince Harry three times, but they said Prince Harry five times. Oh, five times has to go higher. That's not how it works. Um, because you can mention Prince Harry's name five times in a two paragraph story with no other details. Or you can do a story that has comments from the cab driver, comments from the police, uh, the mayor of New York even weighed in on this story. You know, you could have so many more little data points, so many facts, so many other things that even, you know, that with two mentions of Prince Harry is better than five mentions that just say, he was, he was allegedly chased in New York, uh, the police, helped him out and, uh, you know, no one was hurt. 
that's not helpful. Yeah. And I always think to, I always think also, you know, I thought it was really great that they called it the helpful content update, like helpful, like whether it's a product or it's a story or anything, like how is this helpful? You know, ChatGPT, if you're going to write your stories just using a, one of these generative text uh, tools, you're going to have the same thing that everyone else has. It's just going to be yeah. spun differently. Um, so that's why things like eat is so important, that experience, that expertise, because only you can bring that, which a, uh, you know, one of these ChatGPT or AI tools can. Yeah, I think ChatGPT is the best rewriting tool ever. Rewriting, not writing. Yeah. And nobody cares about rewriting because you can find totally the same content in the top 10. And uh, it reminds me when I ask my friends about a new movie, I often get the reply, nothing special, the same plot. I watch a lot of similar movies. I'm not interested in all of that. So yeah, everyone wants to get something new. Uh, and it's not valuable if others have this content. It's not yeah. valuable. Uh, Michael, yeah. I want to ask you about something that AI can't. Uh, most content creators complain uh, that AI is not creative. You know, uh, and uh, can you tell about creativity? How to be creative in your content? And let me share a short story about Lloyd Richards. Uh, he published a book 11 years ago, and he spent 14 years to write this book. 14 years just to write a single book then he published and marketing sales didn't help to sell this book he got some random sales but not good then his daughter posted content on tiktok about this book uh, this video became viral plus 50 million people watch this video of course i watch this video you know i want to know how to get 50 million people and what i found it's not the best nice looking design simple design nothing special but that was creative. That was a true story, honest story, uh, transparent, uh, short video uh, cover about this book more than uh, a lot of marketing and sales methods. And today this book is bestseller on Amazon because of short creative story. Can you tell how to be creative, how to become creative in your writing? Well, I have to say it's a little disheartening that this person put his blood, sweat and tears for 14 yeah. years into a book. Yeah. And the only way that people noticed it was TikTok. Uh, yeah. you know, there, there are a whole bunch of writers who will probably be listening to this interview, wringing their heads. Uh, um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, so much of life is marketing. I, I probably, I'm probably the worst at this. Um, I, I don't, you know, I think the last time we spoke was maybe the second time I've probably ever spoken publicly about SEO. I like being behind the scenes. I help a lot of companies, you know, very under the radar. But once in a blue moon, I say, oh, what the heck, you know, let's let's talk about these things. Um, but obviously promotion and marketing is, is really important. And, you know, clearly uh, TikTok has struck a chord. Um, it struck a bad chord with maybe some legislators who want to ban it. Um, but, but mostly for 
you know, the, the, the demographic they're looking for, which is much younger than those legislators, um, it's, it's the way they share information. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I would never have guessed a few years ago, knowing that people sort of dance around, or that was my conception of what TikTok was, <laughs> dancing around that like, this was how people were gonna find information. But I think, you know, there've been a number of studies out there that younger people are, are, at, are looking to TikTok the way that they look at search uh, for information. Um, so I think it, you know, I think TikTok, much of the way that Twitter was and Facebook was, it's 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 just part of the tool belt that you need now. You know, it's it's one of those things. Um, uh, I I have the I have no account. I've yet to do it, um, but I understand its importance. Um, but again, like I said, it's it's very disheartening that a book needed TikTok to sell. But I'm happy at least that the book uh, did well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think whether it's TikTok or something or, or SEO, um, you need to just sort of think beyond your product. How do I promote this? How do I get it out there? How do I get eyeballs in in a uh, in a way that people are going to embrace it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know uh, what I like on this video uh, that this video uh, is tainted out from the rest. You no, know? so. It's not like many other videos, simple video, but uh, it's interesting to watch short video, got attention. And I think TikTok only allows accounts with zero followers <laughs> uh, with the first video to get such uh, engagement. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Uh, uh, and uh, Michael, I want to ask you about uh, another aspect. Once I spoke with Jim Edwards and he worked with Business Insider. 10 years he started in this company from scratch then company was sold for 500 million dollars good success uh, well-known company and he told me that success of business insider depends on creating non-boring content now most content are boring that's why we have this high bounce rate everywhere on youtube on tiktok uh, in, on website content people bounce fast because they're not interested it's boring can you tell how create non-boring content and 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 keep users uh, until the end? <laughs> you know, see, may, maybe see the problem is I maybe it's boring to some other people, but I'll tell you, I've read some things from and you know I'll give a couple of shout-outs here. I usually don't. I, I try actually not to um, give shout-outs to publishers because I, I deal with publishers all the time uh, and I don't want anything to look like a, you know, like I'm favoring one over the other. Um, but I'll tell you, I've, I've read some in-depth things from, um, it's mostly subscription, but the information, which was started by someone who worked at the Wall Street Journal, and I've read things from people at Bloomberg, where after I read them, I felt, oh, wow, I really completely understand this whole topic. This was something I didn't know anything about. They went deep. They had experts weigh in. Uh, they gave me the background. Like I feel sometimes when, what, it's great. It's a great feeling for me when I read something and I walk away and I go, I've learned a whole new subject. I can't imagine that there are more pieces of information or data points that were not included. Um, yeah, it took me a while to read this, 
But now if someone says to me like, oh, you know, tell us about what's going on with the Credit Suisse, like I could tell you because the article was so robust that I learned a ton. And, and I see that with a, uh, a lot of publications and then Converse. And again, you know, I'm not going to certainly not going to single out here, but I find a lot, um, you know, with publications in particular, because I follow it, um, you know, like, how, how did you miss this one major point? You know, uh, I, I'll, I'll try to keep it as vague as possible, but, um, you know, <laughs> It's, it's actually too hard to do it, but but like after reading it and uh, being approached by that company and them saying like you know why aren't we hiring search, and I said to them well let me look at your content I've I've built a tool actually that can analyze content I put it into my tool and I was like oh my gosh you know you you know you, you mentioned uh, I could do the I could do the vague generalities here I said you mentioned this famous individual. Um, just got a, you know, third COVID shot, but you never mentioned that this person had COVID like three weeks ago and that it was the second time they had COVID. And they were like, oh, but, you know, everyone knows that. I'm like, I'm not sure everyone knows that off the top of their head. They're not thinking that. And you kind of have to give context. Um, You know, so that was one example. I, I, you know, I see it all the time where someone's like, you know, something happens and I'm like, wait, how can you not mention like they had a problem with this person in the past? Like, this isn't new. This is a longstanding feud. And they're like, oh, everyone knows it. I'm like, no, not everyone knows it. And you have to assume that people are coming to your publication or to your article for the first time with no information about this. And it's your job in a way to educate them. So, so to your question, I don't know. Maybe some people find that exhaustive, robust reporting boring, but I find it actually like stimulating that at the end, I feel like, wow, I've really learned something. I'm not quite an expert, but if someone asks me a question about this topic, I won't sound like a fool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends as usual. <laughs> and Michael, uh, can you tell your methods of uh, finding keywords? You know, uh, for example, I see when webmasters open SEMrush, IHRF, Serenkin, Ubersuggest, see keywords and in the first visible screen, we usually see, see volume, high volume keywords. Then you can scroll down to see less volume, less volume, but everyone pays attention to high volume keywords. And once uh, I spoke with webmaster who lost 400,000 traffic because Google dropped his ranking positions, but he didn't lose any sales. So he got a lot of traffic that didn't convert, didn't sell products. Um, And um, I usually tell uh, uh, my clients who want to promote these keywords, uh, uh, it's hard. It's hard to compete with big companies. For example, if you take weight loss in the top 10 billion dollar companies, you know, all of them have a lot of resources it's so hard to overcome it's not impossible but it's so hard and you don't need to do it and in the second it doesn't mean that you can sell by having these keywords can you tell your methods uh, to find keywords and how you can relate these keywords uh, to uh, news breaking news i mean like uh, well, well with, with yeah. breaking news right there's there's there in my opinion you know 
I know that there are a lot of news organizations that are focused on this, but in my opinion, there's no such thing as keywords. Yeah. Right. It's breaking news. You can't, you can't prepare for this. And the other thing is, you know, all these tools tell you like, oh, you're not going to win on like the word, you know, chair. So here are different ways of saying it. It's like, no, it's a chair. Like you're not going to call it like, you know, wood thing you sit on. Like no one's looking up wood thing you sit on. They're looking up chair. You either win it or you don't. And, and particularly in news, it's like, you know, you're not going to refer to President Biden as, you know, no one's searching the man who's married to Jill Biden. <laughs> They're searching President Biden. My view on keywords is forget it. Forget it. Go full force on what. I, I know that's not me because I don't have a dog. But, <laughs> um, but my, my thing is um, go full force on what you're trying to sell or what you're trying to tell. You know, just focus on that. Don't focus on like, oh, am I going to win on this keyword? Am I going to present an interesting product review? Am I going to present an interesting news story? Forget the keywords. If it's good content, search engines will find you. Yeah, nice, nice. And uh, can you explain what good content means? You know, yeah. uh, when I write an article, I can feel that it's the best content ever. You know, I have this feeling, but I am biased because I spent time to write this article. From I think many other content creators can have the same feeling, you know, after researching, spending time. So can you tell what con good content means and uh, yeah, how to win with that? <laughs> okay. So the first thing you should do, I think sometimes when you, when you feel like you're a little too close to your own content is to give it to someone else. Mm -hmm. uh, someone who's not too close to you because someone who's too close to you isn't going to want to, you know, tell you, oh, you know, it's not that good. Um, and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with people telling you it's not good as, as long as they give good suggestions about what is missing, right? Yeah. Um, so what do I think is good content? I think good content really answers uh, every question the user may have. And I know that sounds like everyone's going to have to work really exhaustively to write moving forward based on that suggestion. But, um, you know, it, people want to know if, it, if it's a product, uh, the dimensions of it, size, the materials, the price, the availability, you know, you can probably come up with a hundred more different parameters that you need to think of. And the content has to have that, you know, um, and when it comes to news stories, you, you just can't just, you can't just say, uh, you know, there was a bank shooting in Louisville, unfortunately, and six people died. You need to get more into sort of the details, like who was the shooter? Um, what were the circumstances? Uh, you know, you, in that particular instance, uh, this was about a month ago, the person was a past employee. You know, all these different things. Uh, where in Louisville did it happen? Uh, when, the day, the time, the place, all those things you need to make sure you have. And then uh, I would argue that you go to experts or other individuals to weigh in, right? So if you're writing about a product, you should probably have some people test it out. If you're writing a news story, if it's a crime or something, have the police comment, you know, have, 
just add more layers because I mean, you know, there's so much out there on the web that's just sort of that, you know, bare minimum of like, this happened, this happened, this happened. Okay, now I'm off to my next story. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, which is fine. You know, if, if you just want to tell people the bare minimum and um, attracting eyeballs through search is not your thing, that's great. You know, if everyone comes to your site every day because they're loyal readers, um, fine. But I wouldn't suggest it. I think over time you'll lose them to other outlets that are willing to go the extra mile. And I think sometimes the problem is everyone's sort of rushing with content. You know, yeah. in ChatGPT, the thing I hear about everyone says, it's so good, it, it speeds up everything. Okay. But like, sometimes we don't need to speed up everything in life. Like, sometimes you just need to take a little time, craft it the right way, make sure it's very detail oriented. Because, you know, there's that cliche, haste makes waste. Um, and sometimes just being speedy, you know, is, is, Actually, it dovetails what I'm thinking right now. Sometimes being fast is less important than being uh, factual. In fact, I would argue factual is way more important than being fast. And it was an interesting point that the um, CEO of Google made during uh, Google I.O. last week. He was, he was talking about um, search, the Google search uh, uh, generative experience, the way they're going to integrate AI into search, which I'm sure everyone was paying attention to. Mm -hmm. And he made a point about um, that, that facts is more important than fluidity. You know, yeah. and I think everyone is falling in love with the fluidity of these tools like ChatGPT. But at the end of the day, um, if the facts are wrong, then it's just a toy. You yeah, know, it's nothing you can rely on. Nice, nice. Uh, in our podcast, you mentioned about EEAT, expertise, experience, authority, trust. And once I spoke with Lily Ray and asked her uh, about uh, filming video about uh, EEAT, and he asked, she asked me about how long this video should be. I replied, 15 minutes. And she got the answer. I don't know how to explain about EEAT for 15 minutes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and, and she wrote uh, a huge checklist for my SEO course. Uh, I added this checklist like plus 50 points where to pay attention. Uh, you mentioned that uh, AI can't satisfy EEAT. Uh, but can you tell? Uh, some, some, some of it will. You know, with, yeah. with, with Google search generative um, experience, uh, which is built on uh, MUM and uh, Palm 2, which are uh, Google programs, um, I think the integration, you know, they will be linked in to Google search engine. And uh, you have to remember, Google search engine has trillions of data points on products, yeah. right? And on, on facts. And uh, so, you know, I, I think, I, I, you know, I think when Google finally releases it, sure, there are going to be some bumps in the road. There are always bumps in the road. There are bumps in the road when they do a core 
uh, broad core algorithmic update, you know, and then things are tweaked. Um, but I think, you know, I think people are going to be like pleasantly surprised. Um, I think a lot of publishers are nervous that they're going to lose traffic, that they're going to view it as like featured snippets and zero clicks and, and worry about that. I, I think uh, AI integrated into search is going to be a great thing. And I think it's going to be great for content creators. I think there's going to be more opportunities. One of the things they showed, uh, they promoted was perspectives. It's already part of uh, search, but uh, I think that's going to take on greater uh, significance. I think, you know, we're going to see uh, videos of people playing with products and saying why they love products. I think it just opens, you know, I, I think what it's going to do is, it's going to, it's going to open that uh, prism even wider Right. The aperture is going to be wider. There's going to be more to search for. Like, it's hard to believe that there could be more to search for. But I think there's going to be more to search for. There are going to be more perspectives. Uh, there, there are going to be more articles. Um, and all of it is going to be ultimately uh, linked together via uh, their AI, which will, will give you sort of longer answers and more explanatory, as well as the real factual stuff, which the, uh, the search engine was built. So, you know, uh, while others are, are, you know, all gloom and doom about this, that it's going to kill SEO, I think it's actually going to open up more opportunities for people. But for people who have, again, and I always go back to this, helpful content. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's opportunity if you think about that, how to adapt. Because uh, marketers didn't lose jobs in digital uh, if they created uh, marketing campaigns for tv and radio they adapted so if you have experience you can adapt to metaverse ai anything and uh, michael i want to ask you about common mistakes can you list mistakes that uh, content creators still do and your tips how to find a much better way I'll tell you, I don't know if it's the biggest mistake, but I'll tell you one thing that just drives me nuts. Um, whenever I'm reading something and it's uh, the anchor text and the hyperlink are like two different worlds apart. Right? Uh -huh. and, and I think, uh, you know, I've seen this. I think sometimes people are building up, building their own sort of slap together AI. Um, so it will say something like, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, like, uh, uh, wheels of a car, right. And then hot wheels, which is like a kid's toy car. And the AI is picking up on the word wheels and suggesting that as a link. And the person sort of automating all their links. Um, that's sort of the craziest example, but what I often see is, um, someone will say, uh, happens a lot in the entertainment sector. Two celebrities are getting divorced and it, it will hyperlink on the word divorce. So I think, oh, it's gonna tell me more about their divorce or maybe they have divorce papers or something. It leads, and what I get instead is like some photo gallery of couples who were once together who are now divorced. That's, you know, that's not helpful. That's not on topic. It's not helpful. I mean, I guess a better example of that would be, you know, a celebrity who dies, right? 
And then I'm linked to some uh, photo gallery of celebrities who died in 2023. It's like, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for information about that one person. And so I think one of the, I wouldn't say the biggest mistake, but I see a lot and it drives me nuts is when people link to things that are sort of tangentially related, but not really related. And they're doing that all in an effort to either get more page rank or to send it to a gallery that they can get more clicks, whatever their motivation is. It's certainly not my uh, motivation as the user, as the reader to see it. So uh, anchor text drives, drives me crazy. Um, I, I, I just think, I just think the, um, you know, thin content that's out there um, is just really problematic. Uh, and it, it goes a little back to like what you said, you know, you think it's, it's great. And I think a lot of people, they look at their stuff and, and they think it's great. And sometimes I say, just take a, a breath, see what else is out there. Maybe you've missed some sort of major, maybe not even major, it could be five minor points, but those five minor points are kind of important to this, to this review or to this article. Yeah, thin yeah. content would be the sort of the thing that drives me a little crazy. Yeah, nice, nice, valuable, valuable. And Michael, my final question about the future. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have AI today. Uh, we can love it or hate it. Doesn't matter. We have it. Uh, probably we will have something else like metaverse. I don't know. Facebook gave up with this project, but we still see in uh games online games that uh young uh generation uh plays with this environment probably uh, they need it uh, we can't use it <laughs> so can you tell uh what kind of future will be in your vision and uh how marketers can adapt today to this possible future yeah you know i think uh going back to the sort of chat gbt the, the rush was to use it um, and I think, you know, in journalism, which again, my focus, uh, we saw what happened to Bank Raid and we saw what happened to CNET. They used it to generate articles. I think BuzzFeed was going to use it. BuzzFeed is since uh, it's closing up shop. But, um, you know, and, and it destroyed them. Uh, it really, Bank Raid and CNET, like their traffic went down. Uh, I, I think. You know, I think the future is to use AI uh, not to write your content, um, but to gather the information you need for your content. Um, so much like search, but in a way, you know, once once search and some of these tools are integrated, um, to find it, to synthesize it, and let you then decide, you know, what's what you need to include. At the end of the day, though, still with these products, you know, software can't 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 test it for you. You're still going to need to test it, uh, which is you know why we have that E for expertise and the other E for experience. Um, but I, I think the future is, I what I what I think is. Um, with more content created by AI, there's going to be a bigger chasm between good content and bad content. And then within that, and the bad content 
is is going to be relegated to like sort of nowhere. Like you're not going to see it. It's almost it's almost going to be like spam. Uh, page four, five, six, somewhere there. Um, and then within the good content, I think, and I hope, because I'm so bullish on uh, detailed work. Um, I think the future is going to be really like who produces the most robust answer to a user's question, whether it's a product again or an article. Uh, and it's and it's and it's why I created uh, a new tool to do that. Um, mm -hmm. I created this new tool. It's called Ranktify, and what we can do is we can analyze any piece of content, and we can tell you, you know, how to make it helpful. Nice. So, yeah. yeah, I I add this tool uh, to the description uh, to this podcast. Yeah. So looking forward to test this tool to check out how it works. And uh, uh, yesterday I spoke with a business owner who told me he is going to create twenty thousand pages with mm. ChatGPT. And I asked why you need to do it. <laughs> he told me. Because I can't write manually 20,000 pages. Okay. <laughs> if you can't write 20,000 pages, write five pages, 10 pages, right. valuable content. Then why you need to cover all topics possible, you know? You, you, <laughs> so, you know, you, you said also earlier the biggest mistake. I think the biggest mistake are some of these myths that are out there, you yeah. know, like domain authority, um, that you need to create 20,000 pages or whatever. You know, what, what ends up happening is you create 20,000 useless pages and you've got one good page, maybe. Maybe you have one good page. And and the sad part about it is Google's not going to find your one good page yeah. because they're going to see your 20,000 pages. And they're <laughs> going to think that you're just this, like, you know, content farm that creates AI-generated nonsense. Um, and, and what you said was, that's right, create five good pages, right? Create five good pages. Um, I can tell you from experience from a company that I ran that was a content company. Um, at one point when we were doing super well, I thought, oh, let's just ramp it up and create more and more content. Uh, that way, you know, we're doing like five million unique visitors. Now, if we, you know, just do twice as much, we'll have 10 million unique visitors. No, that's not what happened. What happened was everyone was pressed for time and they were creating thin content that hurt us. And we stopped doing that. We removed that, a lot of that content. Uh, and then we focused on actually sort of fewer stories. And the fewer stories, uh, we were getting 8 million unique visitors, you know, on, as opposed to the more stories where we were getting five. Uh, and it's simply because we devoted more time to those stories we made them more robust. We answered all the questions that a user or a reader wanted to know. And everything that we put out, or at least like you and I think, we think all our stuff is helpful. <laughs> but I, you know, I think it was, I, what I can say definitively was that the content was more helpful than the content that we did a year before. That I could definitely say. I don't know if it was completely helpful for everyone, but it was certainly uh, more helpful because it went deeper into the, into uh, every topic and discussed the who, the what, the when, the where, the how, and uh, you know, reached out to everyone so that we can give different perspectives and make it far more authoritative and robust. Nice, yeah, I agree. Quality 
is better than quantity. Yeah. 100%. Michael, it's a big pleasure to get again on my show to learn from you. You always lead me to an emergency room. I need to spend time <laughs> to consume all this valuable insights. Tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to follow you, how to reach out to you. Uh, you can always uh, get me on Twitter, uh, Michael Wittes. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And that's that's primarily the, the best way to do, do it. And I, you know, I, I respond. Nice. Uh, guys, I'll submit uh, links to LinkedIn and Twitter account in the description below. Also, I add uh, your tool uh, to the description. So, guys, you can check out, test this tool. Uh, reach out to Michael. You can ask me how it works about this tool because I'm going to test it as well. For me, it's very important <laughs> to, to improve the quality of my content. And uh, thanks again, Michael. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime. Share more valuable insights. Guys, love you. See you.